Attention, attention, all personnel, incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. Over and out. This is episode 105 of MASH Matters, where we talk about MASH, because it matters. I'm Ryan Patrick, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, the star of MASH, Jeff Maxwell. <laughs> Hello, Jeff. Hello, Ryan. Thank you very much. I, I got a I got a promotion. You did? Uh, yeah. Wow. This is big. From from private to star. I like that. I like that. You're welcome. It's the least I could do for you, Jeff. No, I appreciate it. It took us 105 episodes to get it, but I, <laughs> finally. <laughs> well, we had to make sure that you had staying power. Okay. I mean, we had to. You know, you were you were committed to this. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly committed. Yes, or he should be. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Hey. Hey. So uh, we have uh, several things to get to in this episode, but at the very end of this episode, we're going to pay tribute to our friend Eileen Saki, who passed away on May 1st. We haven't really had an opportunity yet to talk about her because she passed away the day after we recorded one of our most recent episodes. We just haven't had the the chance to do that. So we want to do that. We're going to be joined by a special guest at the end of the episode to talk about our friend Eileen. As well, we should, because Eileen was a wonderful, terrific human being. And so, you know, everybody should stay tuned and listen to that wonderful tribute. Before we do that, we're going to just open up the mailbag again. We have a series of questions, and these questions today are pretty quick. And I will tell you in advance that, you know, some of the answers are also very quick. In fact, some of the words may just be one-word answers. (laughs) Now, what those words are, we don't know. No. And and are they correct? Eh, It's a coin flip. Mm. But I say we just jump right in, Jeff, and start answering some questions. What do you say? I'm jumping. I agree. Okay, this is from David. And David says, do you guys know where I can get a copy of Aftermash? I know it was supposed to have been put out on DVD, and I know there's two seasons of it. Just want to know if you guys know where I can get a copy of it. No. Ryan? All right, moving on. Okay. Um, (laughs) Told you, one word answers. We don't know where you can get a copy of it. No, no idea. Now, there are episodes on YouTube. I will tell you the quality is awful Mm -hmm. because it was obviously recorded on VHS tape and then transferred from VHS tape to YouTube. So the transfer is not good, Mm -hmm. but it's out there. So if you want to watch Aftermath, you can get, I think most of, I'm thinking that there are a couple of the episodes that aren't on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I'd say 95% of those episodes are on YouTube if you would like to watch that. And I'll put a link to one of those episodes in the show notes. And by the way, uh, you know, the Aftermatch was done by wonderful actors who are dear friends and wonderful writers who are still dear friends. And the, it was created by Larry Gelbart and all those wonderful people who did MASH. But the problem is, I'm not in it. So what's the big deal? <laughs> Why would anybody want to go looking for a DVD? I mean, give me a break. And that's the reason it hasn't been released on DVD. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan, for saying that. Seriously. Thank you. What's the point? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know why it hasn't been released, even available on streaming. I know that there are so many details that go into that as far as who gets paid, royalties for this and that. And so I don't know if it's ever going to be in any kind of format other than YouTube where it can be watched, I would tell you that you can go online and say, can I buy Aftermash on DVD? And you'll find pages that say, yes, here you go. That's shady as all get out. Mm -hmm. Don't order those. (laughs) 
I imagine that somebody has recorded those poor quality episodes off of YouTube and slapped them onto a DVD and is selling them. That's my guess. All right. So anyway, David, there you go. Okay, that first answer was way longer than I thought it was going to. Way longer than we anticipated. <laughs> yeah, so here's one from Chad. This isn't a question, so we're going to make up some time here. Good, all right. Chad just says, here's one for you. When watching scenes in the swamp, look at the glass of the still. You will occasionally see reflections of the lights used for filming. Uh, a travesty. How dare they do that? How can that happen? I, I've never paid attention to the glass on the still. But thankfully, Chad has. So thank you, Chad. We'll pay attention next time. <laughs> I'm going to pay attention. I am going to. I'm going to look at that glass on the still and see if I can see anything on that <laughs> darn thing. I mean, I'm sure that there are a lot of our listeners who do just stare at stills. But I'm just saying that <laughs> in this particular instance, uh, we're talking about MASH. They're still starers. That's who they are. <laughs> All right. And Beck says, hi, Ryan and Jeff. My name is Beck. And I'm from Australia. I've been watching MASH via syndication and DVD since I was 16. My question is, why was Margaret never temporary CO? Is there a military rule in place? Or was it just a missed episode opportunity? Love the podcast. Thanks so much for all the work you do putting it together. Well, thank you very much, Beck. Uh, I'm going to answer this again. Okay. Don't know. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> So I was interested in finding the answer to this, and I did find an answer. This is from the website tvtropes.com. Ah. Somebody asked, why is Hawkeye put in command of the 4077th when Potter is away? He is outranked by Margaret in both instances, and Charles is the second. So here's the answer. During the time period, Margaret would not have been eligible for command of any unit since she was a nurse corps officer. Oh. In addition, during this time period, only medical corps officers were allowed to command medical units, and they could command only medical units. One of the mistakes people without any military experience often make is to think that rank is the most important factor. In reality, it isn't. So that is the answer I found at tvtropes.com. Whether or not that is the true definitive answer, we don't know. But hey, we never promise true definitive answers. We just promise answers. I hope that helps you, Beck. I do too. Ed says, I read that there is a song, There Is Nothing Like a Nurse, from the episode of the same name. I've not been <laughs> able to find any other reference to that song, only in the episode in season three, I think. If the song does exist, I'm wondering if it's a parody of the South Pacific song, or just its title, Do You Know of It? Jeff, do you want to take this one? No. Okay. <laughs> Is that your answer? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, actually, I have no idea. I don't know the episode, and you probably do, because you know everything about this show. I don't. <laughs> so, please. There is nothing like a nurse, nothing like a nurse. Ed really answered his own question. He's hey. looked for this. It doesn't exist because it doesn't exist. He can't find a song that doesn't exist. There is nothing like a nurse as the title of the show, and there is no song with that name that I'm aware of. I looked too. I did some research. I scoured the net. Couldn't find anything. It is just a takeoff of the song. There is nothing like a dame from South Pacific. They use that just for the title of the show. And, you know, this is one of the episodes, too, that has Loudon Wainwright III. So you would think that if that song actually did exist and it was the title of the show, that Captain Spaulding also would have sang it in the show. But he didn't. Therefore, no song exists. However, if somebody out there is a songwriter and wants to put a song together called 
there is nothing like a nurse. We will play it on Nash Matters. We're not going to pay you any royalties for it. No. Okay. And, and I think that's probably why there was no parody called there's a song, nothing like a nurse on MASH because it would have taken the entire year's budget for MASH to pay <laughs> yes. the South Pacific people who wrote that song. Yes. Uh, this has to be an original tune. Okay. So, yeah. but feel free to write something and send it to us and we'll play it for you and we will never pay you for it. Or we'll send it directly to Ed and let Ed worry about it. I don't know. <laughs> hey, Mark writes, did you know, Jeff, that Jamie Farr was mentioned in a song by Weird Al Yankovic called Everything You Know Is Wrong? Listen to it. Well, no, I did not know that. I'll have to, I'm going to do a real quick thing because we're taking, just, we're trying to be quick here. I crossed paths with Weird Al. Several years ago, I was involved in a project about, this is going to sound weird, about drill teams. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, <laughs> uh, a, a very good friend of mine who was a writer wrote an uh, article about uh, a woman who was in charge of drill teams, and she won awards, and it helped a lot of people, and it was in People Magazine, and she and I thought this was a really good idea. So we put a, a television idea together. And um, a very famous producer kind of liked it and wanted to do it. And we almost got it on TV as a life story about this woman who did work with drill teams. Part of my history or part of my investigative work about drill teams was that the woman asked me to host or be the MC of a Miss Drill Team USA pageant. <laughs> <laughs> What a life you've led, Jeff. <laughs> wow. Take that, Shoppers Casino, all right? <laughs> so if you dig that one up, I don't know. I'm somewhere. I hope not. So we invited a couple of fancy people to be judges of the Miss Drill Team USA pageant, which was, by the way, a phenomenal show. I mean, it, hmm. was, it blew me away. It was so much fun. And these kids knocked our brains out and did so much wonderful jumping and spinning and dancing. And it was all a competition between schools, you know, doing all that stuff. It was a terrific thing. I'm very happy to, to have been there and happy to have emceed the thing. But one of the judges was a very famous hotshot producer. And as a favor, he brought a famous guy to present the winning trophy to the team that won the contest. Mm -hmm. And that was Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> and the woman who, whose life we were trying to do this into a movie, I don't think she expected Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> <laughs> to be the the guy that went, no she probably she expected a senator or you know the president of something mm -hmm. and now the president of something will present the trophy no it was and now weird Al Yankovic <laughs> <laughs> I love it anyway yeah he was a very nice guy so weird Al Yankovic but I don't know anything about the song that weird Al Yankovic well here's a clip from this song I was walking to the kitchen for some So there you go. That's the song. And we'll put a link to the entire song in the show notes for this episode. I have a Weird Al story also. Oh, cool. I've met Weird Al. All right. He came to our area to do a concert many years ago. This is early 2000s. I can't remember the exact year. And my wife and I got tickets. We were on the front row, you know, because I'm a nerd. Yeah. And he does a song called One More Minute. It's kind of a takeoff of the old doo-wop flow songs where they would sing. And then in the middle, they'd be like, baby, 
you know, I love you, you know, you know those kinds of yeah, songs. Yeah. Well, this is kind of like that. And he came down into the audience, walked up to my wife in the front row, reached into his pants and pulled out a pair of underwear and handed them to her. <laughs> what? Okay. These gold lame boxer shorts. And then uh, after the show, we had the opportunity to meet him backstage <laughs> and we asked him to autograph oh. those boxer shorts. So the autograph is faded horribly on it, but if I can get a good picture, I'll, I'll stick it in the show notes. But yes, oh, please. Uh, Weird Al's underwear <laughs> was handed to my wife. There well, you go. And and maybe to other people's wives as well. Maybe, you yeah, know. maybe. <laughs> All right. But let's get back to MASH. What do you say? Okay. Here- well, wait, I, I, one more second. I'm sorry. The Weird Al Yankovic song, Everything You Know Is Wrong. I've been thinking about that. There is nothing like it. It sounds like a, everything you know is wrong. There is everything is wrong. So this one tune goes with all these things. Oh, there wait. you go. I'm it's, sorry. Go ahead. It all comes back to MASH. Yeah. Everything. Everything, everything. in life. Everything does. And speaking of MASH, here is a voicemail from Katie. Hi, my name is Katie. I live in Abilene, Texas. Um, a little bit of a background of how I found MASH Matters. Um, I was listening to Christy Carlson Romano's podcast, and then she was talking to Will, and Will goes, oh, this is MASH Matters podcast. And I, I thought to myself, I was like, there's no way that it has to do with the original TV series. And so I went down a rabbit hole, and, of course, obviously it is. Um I, I have grown up watching MASH. I've loved MASH. I love the development of the characters and their arcs. And, you know, whenever one of them would leave for whatever reason, especially including Radar and Trapper John, I it left an impression on me. Um, and I guess it kind of sparked the interest that I had in military history. I have a bachelor's in history which, of course, is doing me a lot of good as an insurance agent. So I drive from Abilene to Anson every single day, and it gets monotonous, but this has given me something to listen to and really enjoy on my commute, which is not very long. Um, I think I don't have, like, a, a big burning question because a lot of the stuff that I'm learning about the series has been from the podcast, but that cookbook that y'all were t- talking about a couple episodes ago we need an ETA on that. I honestly would love to buy that and add it to my collection right next to Joanna Gaines, <laughs> which I know sounds absolutely silly. Um, but I really appreciate what y'all are doing, and I hope to hear more of MASH Matters over the years. Thank you, Katie. Well, the uh, best thing I can say is that the ETA and the cookbook is uh, around June 15th. <laughs> That's a very that's a very close. Now I know this episode is uh, available as of June fifteenth, so it's it's very possible that the cookbook is now available. If it's not, it'll probably be available in about another week. Hmm. So okay. between the fifteenth and the twenty uh, second, sort of in that ballpark, uh, the cookbook will be available after a long time, and it's a long time coming. But it, I think you'll enjoy it. Wow. Okay, great. The The best thing we can tell you is to keep an eye on our social media, because as soon as it's available, we are going to spread the word. Yep. So if you do not follow us yet on uh, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, please do that. And you will be one of the first to know, Katie, when that book is available. Yep. 
And also, thank you again to our friend Wilfred L. for continuing to talk about our podcast <laughs> on not just his podcast, Pod Meets World, but also he has a podcast called I Hear Voices, talking about the voice acting community. And uh, he talks about us on there, too. So, golly, the Wilfred L. effect is, is strong. Yes. It's strong. <laughs> yep. Yep. Carol asks, hey, guys, love your podcast. Did William Christopher really play the piano? Jeff? Yes. Are you answering yes, or are you just answering me when I say Jeff? <laughs> I'm not sure. That's a good question. Yeah. I, let me let me see. Let me think. Am I answering you, or am I answering the question? No. I, no, he did play the piano. Yeah. He did. Good. Yeah. He really did. I'm glad you knew that one. I figured it was true. I went to this website called Answers.com, and there, somebody had <laughs> asked the question on that website, huh. did William Christopher play the piano? And the answer, according to Answers.com, the answer is yes. There it is. That's it. That's the extent of the answer on the website. <laughs> now, it, was that cheating what you did to go to the, was that cheating to go to answers.com? I'm not sure. No. No. no? It doesn't say correctanswers.com. It no, just says right. answers.com. Yeah. What do they know? Exactly. <laughs> I'm glad you knew because you personally knew him and you personally probably witnessed him uh, playing that piano. Actually playing. Yes. He could play the piano. He used to sit there and play and we go, oh, well, that's pretty cool. So he was, yeah, he could do it. He could okay. do it. All right. And David, a Patreon VIP asks, hi, Ryan and Jeff. I have a question for Jeff, which I don't believe has been asked before. Thank you. Excluding Charles Dubin, because he participated in so many episodes, who was your favorite MASH director? And were there one or two whom you didn't really care for? Keep <laughs> the astounding work. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for writing, David. And uh, Ryan, go ahead. No, no, no. 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 I can't do the okay. research on this one. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Well, all of the directors that had me in the show, I really thought were wonderful, incredibly <laughs> talented human beings. Uh, Charles Dubin was a real pussycat. He was terrific. I loved him dearly. The two other guys that I really liked were Don Weiss. Mm -hmm. I was in a bunch of Don Weiss episodes. Really good guy. And the one, probably one of my favorites was High Averback. Yeah. High Averback had been a, an actor as well and comic and uh, it turned director. So we kind of bonded that way in, under the, you know, the guise of being sort of comedic folks. And uh, he was a really nice guy. He invited me over to his house, and we had a nice chat about, you know, MASH and show business and careers and all that kind of stuff. So I loved High Aberback, Don Weiss, Charles Dubin, and, of course, that guy, Alan Alda. He wasn't bad. Um, <laughs> there wasn't anybody that I didn't care for at all. There wasn't anybody that on that set for my time of nine years that I didn't care for. So, nope, there wasn't anybody I can. I, I, I got no dirt. Sorry. Even Jackie Cooper? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, even Jackie Cooper. Jackie wow. Cooper was very nice to me. Um, I, he didn't do anything bad or, you know, we've had those uh, interesting uh, words from uh, McLean Stevenson about his, you know, feeling about Jackie Cooper and that's fine. But no, he was really nice to me. I, I thought he was a very interesting guy and, and fun to be around, really. One of these days, we're going to get some good dirt. Yeah. Until then, we will continue asking these questions, including Mark's question. Hello, I found the podcast during the 50th anniversary when I wanted to celebrate the one series my whole family loved to watch. I have now devoured all the episodes. I'm also an amateur photographer. I was curious if Diane Arbus ever came to set with her husband, Alan, who played Dr. Friedman. If so, what was she like and did she take any photographs? Well, 
I can tell you that she never came to set with her husband. So Diane Arbus was a world-famous photographer. She was married to Alan Arbus in 1941. They were childhood sweethearts and dated since they were 14 years old. And then they separated in 1959. They remained close, but they divorced in 1969. And then sadly, Diane Arbus passed away at the age of 48 on July 26, 1971. And MASH premiered in September 1972. So therefore, Diane Arbus never came to the MASH set. That's too bad. That would have been really cool. Well, um, Jeremy says, thank you for the podcast. Uh, Also, would you guys ever do an April Fool's Day episode, like where you talk about news about a reboot? Uh, Also, I have a fan theory about MASH. Since the show talks about Godzilla before it comes out, I believe the show and Godzilla are from the holodeck from Star Trek Voyager. Just a thought. (laughs) All right. Moving on. You know, I'm not a Star Trek fan. Uh-huh. I'm okay with it, mm-hmm. but I'm not a fan of the mm-hmm. show like some people are. Like I am with MASH, you know, there right. are, you know, people who are really into Star Trek. So I cannot speak to the fan theory of Godzilla and uh, MASH being from the holodeck. What is the holodeck? I'm not sure what that is. That's some kind It of- is a deck where you holla. Oh, <laughs> it's a- I see. You holla. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that a bread? It's kind of a Jewish <laughs> bread, I think. Hey, why you, would you like some holla? Okay. And I don't know. He also asked a question, would you guys ever do an April Fool's Day episode? And here's the thing, Jeremy. We can't tell you that we're going to do an April right. Fool's episode. That would ruin the, the concept of an April Fool's episode. Right. So you'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Daryl says, good evening from Pennsylvania. First, I'm loving the podcast. I have a question for you two gentlemen. Being a huge Star Trek fan, there we go again. There you go. I see a lot of Star Trek fan productions in honor of Star Trek. Are there any MASH fan productions in honor of the show? So what I think he's asking, you know, if you go on YouTube, you can see people who are doing their own Star Trek episodes, acting out these Star Trek characters. I can't really find anything of anybody doing that same thing for MASH. Now, I did find an article that was sent to us by somebody who listens to the show, and I apologize. I can't remember who sent it to us. This is a website, which is MASH4077TV.com, and I'll share this article in the show notes. There was a fan in Florida who made an entire reproduction of the MASH set in their backyard. Wow. Yeah, there's a mess tent, there's the swamp, there's a jeep and an ambulance and everything. And then like you go into the swamp and it's a recreation of the swamp. I mean, it's impressive. I got an idea. Why don't for the 51st year anniversary match, we go there. We have the, we have a, a, a an event there. I'm sure they'd be happy to have that. That would be something to just hang out in somebody's backyard for yeah, the 51st right. anniversary. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I don't know if this, I don't know if this still exists or not because yeah. this article came out many years ago. So oh. uh, whether or not this actually still exists, let us know if, if you're the person who did this, let us know. We would like to know more about it. But beyond that, I really don't know of any other MASH fan reproductions. If you have done one or if you know of one, please send us a link to it. We'll share it with everyone. 
Alexander writes and says, Thanks for the great podcast. It is my escape from work and stress and diving into a world that is not of any worry and just lets me relax. Ah, that's very nice. I'm Well, that's the, uh, isn't that the Valium podcast? I think that was the, where did the wrong podcast? Anyway, I've been pondering for some time about radar and drinking. Okay, I've never noticed him being a drinker. I'm trying to recall, but wasn't he into drinking some sort of soft drink? <gasps> Was it something with grapes? Oh, I'm starting to get chills now. Could you maybe do some research, just like some light elaboration, maybe dedicate five or six episodes to discuss what he was drinking and how it was made? Sure. Sounds like something you haven't covered in any depth. Again, thanks for the awesome work you do. Alexander, uh, I think you were drinking when you wrote this. <laughs> no, I know I'm what Alexander's sure doing. Were. I know what yeah, Alexander is doing. He's pushing, yeah. us. He's pushing those buttons, we, isn't he? We see you. We see yeah. you, Alexander. <laughs> we see you. Yes. Yeah. We know. Yeah. This is now declared a knee-high free zone. Yeah. <laughs> we have discussed knee-high till there is no more knee-high yeah. discussion to be had. We discussed knee-high, add knee-high. Uh, yes. Add nauseum knee-high, yes. Add knee-high nauseum, yes. Nause- yeah, that, that was good. You got it. All right. Thank you, Alexander. Very, very clever. I see what you did there. Charlene says, hey, it's been a while since I've checked in on George and Walter. <laughs> wondering how they are doing. Keep up the great work. Still listening. If you're just joining us for the first time, we've talked about our pets before, but George is Jeff's bird. Walter is my dog. I can tell you Walter is still Walter. Nothing has changed. He's cantankerous. He is neurotic. (laughs) He's a punk. And we love him. Uh, I thought you were talking about me for a minute. I'm not sure what you were saying there. What was that? Walter is just Walter. That's right. He's doing fine, though, Charlene. How's George doing? George is doing fine. George is uh, 37 years old. Wow. And uh, somebody better write to me and uh, so I can leave George to them because <laughs> can outlive us all. I think so. George is going for it. Uh, no, George is fat and sassy. She is a uh, she's part of my DNA. I love her dearly. And she's a great, great creature. Maybe we'll, we should put a picture of, of George and Walter up. We will. We'll do yeah. that. Yep. Okay. Yep. We'll do it. We'll do some recent picks from uh, George and Walter and put it in the show notes for this episode. Uh, what is the life expectancy for a bird like George? It depends on how long, the, how loud they screech. Uh, <laughs> when, the louder they screech, <laughs> the shorter their lifespan. Well, then I've heard, I've heard George and she doesn't have much time left then. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, they can, there's a, apparently there was a parrot that was owned by uh, Winston Churchill that I was supposedly supposed to be 70 to 75 years old. So they can live if you treat them well. And I've treated George like, you know, a queen. Yeah. And uh, she's a very happy, very, very healthy bird. So I'm sure she's going the distance. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. All right. Before we talk about our friend Eileen, we want to say thank you to some folks who support us on Patreon, including... Private Neil Holmes. Corporal Benson and Spock. Corporal Brandon Rausch. Captain Jesse Ives. Captain John Nett. Major Rachel Cooper. And Major Kerry Gajowski. Thank you for supporting MASH Matters. You too can do it and get some cool perks. Starting at just $3 a month, go to mashmatters.com slash support. 
All right. Now we are going to switch gears and we're going to take the rest of the episode to talk about our friend Eileen Saki, who passed away at the age of 79 on May 1st. Of course, she was the final and longest running actress playing Rosie. She also played uh, Madam in the episode Bug Out. And you can go back and listen to her interview with us, episode 76 of MASH Matters. But we want to welcome somebody to the podcast who is a friend of ours, has been a longtime listener and a supporter of the show. This is Megan Bridget. And Megan had a very special connection to Rosie. So let's hear a conversation now with our friend, Megan Bridget. Hello, Jeff and Ryan. So nice of you to be here today. Thank you for taking some time out of your your hectic schedule to uh, to talk about uh, a, a friend of all of ours. Oh, I'm happy to do it. I'm excited to talk about her and celebrate her. You had a connection with Eileen. Let's talk about where that started. It was so funny. So my friend Kelsey and I, who lives out there, decided after becoming fast friends on Alan Alda's podcast, Clear and Vivid, we decided that we were going to do our own thing for the 50th anniversary because it didn't sound like at the time that anything was going to happen. And then fast forward a couple months later, you guys decided that you were going to do something out at Malibu Creek State Park. So then we decided, obviously, that that was going to be our thing. And I ended up wearing the Rosie's Bar shirt that I have, <laughs> along with uh, Hawkeye's Hawaiian shirt for the, the anniversary. And Eileen was there. And we had this amazing, just instantaneous connection. She was a hundred pounds soaking wet, this adorable little woman. And she, you know, I got to meet her. She gave me a big hug. And it was so funny because we just kept talking and everybody kind of crowded around her because obviously everybody wanted to meet her and say hello to her. But she just kept talking to me. And it was just this just really genuine connection. And Bob, her husband, chatted with me, you know, after Eileen went to talk to other people. And we just, again, had this really instantaneous connection and talked about things mash related, not mash related, mm -hmm. writing, just tons of stuff. And we ended up becoming pen pals when I wrote her a letter telling her how much mash meant to me how much, you know, Eileen meant to me, meeting her meant to me. It was like three pages of just me gushing like a, <laughs> like a, <laughs> a fangirl, I guess. <laughs> and she wrote me back. And then I started writing to Bob through, you know, social media and we became friends. You know, we sent pictures back and forth of the things that we were doing, you know, uh, creating this, just this really amazing friendship with them. And, and then she got sick. Mm -hmm. And Bob had messaged me, letting me know kind of what was going on. And he kept me updated throughout the process of that. And then about two weeks before she passed away, I had asked Rosie, I'd asked Eileen if, if I could have her signature as Rosie. Because as you guys know, um, I have a mash sleeve, half sleeve. And one of the parts of that sleeve is the signpost. Mm -hmm. But instead of the places where the characters are from, I have the characters. And Igor is one of them. <laughs> so I wanted to add to the Pantheon. And so Rosie's signature with a little heart is on the side of my hand now forever. Aww. And just like... Just like Will Friedell said in his interview is that these characters are timeless, but the people will live on forever. Megan, 
If I can ask, what do you think is the main ingredient for your immediate uh, attraction to each other? Why, why do you think that happened? I mean, it doesn't happen with everybody. Why do you think it happened with her? I think that there was just this deep sense of mutual gratitude. I am very grateful for her. And you guys heard when I got to talk to you guys at the ranch, you know, I didn't have a very happy childhood and um, being able to meet uh, the people who were involved in the show that kept me going, kept me on the straight and narrow. I just have a lot of gratitude. So when I met Eileen, I just poured that gratitude into her and she poured it back to me. And I think that mutual gratitude is why we we clicked so well. And she's got the most fantastic smile you've ever seen. How can you not fall in love? True. She does. You know, I, when I was doing MASH, I did not really have that much uh, contact with Eileen because she was across the street in the bar and I was <laughs> in the mess tent. So she and I really didn't have a lot of connection. I've seen her and I knew who she was, but I, I wasn't able to spend much time with her. So when Ryan and I had her on MASH Matters, it was a real thrill because I was totally and completely blown away by her and surprised by what a delightful, fun, upbeat, positive, funny, bright, engaging person this was. I had no idea, really, this is this is the person that was going to show up. And so I, I sort of had that immediate feeling, too. Mine was a little different, but I think that's what happened to me. I, I just immediately bonded with her because she was such a, a an open, fun person to be around and to talk with. Yeah. I mean, she was just so light and so inviting. And everybody that wanted to talk to her got to talk to her you know, she was so generous with her time, you know, at the ranch and otherwise. And and she was so generous with her spirit and her stories and her love. I will never, ever forget that. I like that word spirit. There was there was nothing but spirit in there, <laughs> really. Well, there was a few other things besides spirit, but <laughs> that was the driving, you know, sort of DNA that I felt anyway as a tremendously open fun human spirit in that person boy yeah she was so small like she was such, she's such a small person but the gravity around her was so enormous i remember her pulling up there at the ranch when we were doing the interviews and because jeff and i were doing these interviews recording these interviews it was such a wild day and was such a whirlwind of things going on and we had so much to do because of that, Jeff and I didn't get a chance really to spend much time at all with Eileen while she was out there, except right before she left, we, we were able to talk to her for just a minute. And one of my biggest regrets is that we didn't get a picture with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We didn't pose for a, a photo. Now, we got some candid pictures. I'm so thankful for the people who took candid pictures. I'm pretty sure her husband, Bob, was one of the ones who took one of those candid photos. So we have that at least. But you had a great photo taken with her. And we'll stick that in the show notes for this episode. What's great about it is, first of all, you're both beaming and <laughs> yeah. you're you're wearing your rosy shirt. I mean, yeah. it couldn't have gotten any better than that. Yeah. I know it's a it was a unique one because every you know, I feel like a lot of the MASH fanatics have the regular bill of fare. But I thought that that one would be fun because it was kind of, you know, one of the more unique ones that are out there. So is there anything that you, because, you know, you're, you're kind of like me, Megan, we grew up watching MASH. We love MASH. These people were a big part of our lives. It's different, though, when you start meeting them and getting to know them on a personal level. What, what did you learn about Eileen after you met 
Rosie. <laughs> it's interesting because as an actor myself, I find it interesting to meet other actors when I know the character that they portray so well. <laughs> and being able to see what parts of her personality that she pulled from to be Rosie, because I mean, God bless her, but she hit me like five times when we were talking because she, it was like her ex exclamation, I guess, or like the point to her, to what she was saying. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember what I said because that whole day was a blur to me as well. But she had said something and she, she punched my, my shoulder and I was like, wait a minute, what, what's going on right now? Like, it just, it's so funny because she she is a firecracker. She was a firecracker. She, you know, she has a lot of Rosie in her. And I think Rosie has a lot of Eileen. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just, <laughs> it's funny to see the personality of the person because you know it's genuine. But then you see the character because I watched a couple of episodes with Rosie and I'm like, oh yeah, that's the lady that hit me. That's so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's my pen pal. <laughs> I mean, she just... She just had so much love. Yeah, she and her husband, uh, Bob, is a wonderful guy, too. I mean, he's a yes. delight. I met him, and what a surprise to, you know, what a wonderful couple they they were. You know, it's it's just so, this life thing gets really irritating sometimes. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, losing somebody like her and, and having the relationship with her. And I'm so glad and so happy that we were able to have her on the podcast, because otherwise I would not have had that experience with her. And yeah. boy, I, I treasure it. I really do. I'm also happy that we were able to work with Bob to put the word out so that people could send mm -hmm. encouraging messages to her yes. after her diagnosis. Because so often... When you have somebody who is a celebrity or, you know, is known, you don't really get a chance to tell them how much they mean to you or express that to others until after they're gone. This way, we were able to give her hundreds. And I, I heard from Bob. I mean, there were just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails that poured in for Eileen. And she read every one of them. I know how much that meant to her and how much it meant to Bob. So on behalf of their family, we want to say thank you to everyone who sent an encouraging note during those last few weeks. And really uh, a big thank you to the rest of the cast of MASH, who also kind of stepped up and sent her a lot of greetings. I know that was a really important thing to her. And Yeah. You know, this is really an emotional thing because when you meet somebody like that and you have such an an instant rapport and an instant relationship with it's it's very hard to let that go yeah <laughs> so quickly it really is but i'm so glad that the cast and like you said ryan all of the people who who sent her greetings it's such a wonderful thing that that she she was able to experience unfortunately at the end of her life bob sent me a picture a couple of days before she passed away of her in her hospital room and in the background one of the pictures was the one of her and I at the ranch. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, it I I get choked up thinking about it because um and Bob told me this too that um she made a really indelible mark on my life, you know, meeting her. But apparently I guess maybe I did for her as well. And that's really sweet but humbling and she, I didn't do anything for her. She did everything for me. Thank you, Megan, for taking some time to talk about Eileen today. Thank you, friends. I appreciate you. Thank you, Megan, for spending some time with us today. And thanks again to everyone who reached out to Eileen in those last few weeks and sent her those messages of encouragement. Uh, it meant the world to her and it meant the world to us, too. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Yeah, she was a delightful, wonderful person. And of course, we said it all before, but I just want to say it one more time. Because it bears repeating. It does. Yes, it does. She was a delight. And Bob, we're still thinking of you. And if mm-hmm. there's anything you ever need, just reach out and we're here for you. All right. That's it. That's it? Yeah. Well, there you go. We had questions that we answered a little bit too long, but what the heck? It was fun. We give you a little extra for no extra charge. (laughs) No. That's what we do. (laughs) All right. That does it for us. Uh, You can reach out to us, matchmatterspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on YouTube. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. We're everywhere. Again, we're like a bad rash. You can't get rid of us. (laughs) And you can also call and leave a voicemail under three minutes in length at 513-436-4077. Or you can just come over to the house. Until next time, here's looking up your old address. 